5 and 43 are four of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever performed. In this text that we're reading this morning, it sets... It, it sits right in the middle of several hopeless situations. Jesus and His disciples have just come through a great storm. We talked about that two or three weeks ago, the storm that, that, that they were on on the Sea of Galilee. And, and the disciples in that situation on that stormy sea were, were, were sure that they were going to perish. It didn't look like that they were going to be able to make it through that storm. And in their minds, remember they cried out to the Lord and they said, don't you care that we perish? In their minds, that was a hopeless situation. And in their minds, they just were sure that they weren't going to make it through that storm. But the storm was no problem for the Master. The storm was no problem for the Lord Jesus Christ. He calmed the storm and did just as He had told them that He was going to do. He got them safely to the other side. Jesus didn't tell them. He didn't tell them that they were going to get out there in the storm and capsize in that boat. But He told them, said, let's pass over to the other side. And just as He said, He made good on His promise and they made it over to the other side safely. But now Jesus has come to a new set of impossible situations here in Mark 5. Because Mark 5, when you read this, and we'll be preaching through this, this chapter in the next few weeks, but when you read Mark 5 and study Mark 5, Mark chapter 5 is known as the chapter of incurables. Jesus uh, encounters here a demon-possessed man, and in this same chapter he also encounters a diseased woman, and he encounters also a dead girl. So as we're going through chapter 5, you'll see that this is a chapter of miracles. It's an impossible lineup here in chapter 5. The demoniac here of Gadara, then the woman we'll look at in a couple of weeks, the woman with the issue of blood, diseased with, for, for 12 long years, and then Jairus' daughter who was 12 years old and had died at, at the age of 12. And, and we, we, we see this impossible lineup, but yet in all these situations, as hopeless as they are from the human perspective, yet in each one of these cases we'll find that Jesus proved that he was in control and he was the master of every one of those situations and he always is. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. So in Mark 5 we discover that Jesus is not just the master of the deep but Jesus is also the master of the demonic and he's also the master of disease and he's also the master of death. Mark chapter 5, if it teaches us anything, it teaches us that man's extremity is always God's opportunity to do something in our life. When the situation seems hopeless, Jesus always brings hope for the hopeless. Come on, amen? Hallelujah. He's the master of all situations. He's the master of all problems. He's the master of all difficulties. And there is nothing, I mean absolutely nothing, that is too hard for the Lord. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. And I want you to know today that He can move with the same power in your life and in your circumstance. He can set you free from every spiritual stronghold. He can break every chain that binds your life because Jesus is the chain breaker. He is the pain taker. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. And whatever you need Him to do today, I'm here to tell you, I want to encourage you that Jesus is able to handle your situation in life. Amen. We just have to get to that place where we trust Him in that area, where we believe Him for His intervention and for His power to work for us. Now there are three forces that are in operation in this, in this um, fifth chapter of, of Mark and in this narrative that we're dealing with this morning. There are three forces that are in operation that we see in operation here. And the very first force that we see in operation is 
obviously the force of Satan. There's the force of Satan. The Bible says that, that Jesus and His disciples, they came over to the other side of the sea in verse 1, to the country of the Gadarenes. This land, this particular place was on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, about three miles from the Sea of Galilee, and it was mostly inhabited by Gentiles. And so Jesus and His ministry team arrived there probably about dawn after crossing through that storm. About early in the morning, about dawn, they arrived there at Gadara. Now, Jesus, as we said, had just calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee, but now there's another storm that He has to deal with. And it's not, on the, it's not a storm on the sea, but it's a storm inside the heart of an individual, inside the soul of a man. And this miracle that we're looking at here this morning would, would, would be and is probably one of the most outstanding miracles of the ministry of Jesus. I know the, ministry, uh, the raising of Lazarus from the dead was a great miracle. That resurrection was awesome and it was powerful. But can I tell you that this miracle of delivering this, this wild man, of setting this wild man free from the powers of darkness, I believe, in my opinion, was one of the greatest most outstanding miracles that Jesus has ever had ever performed. Amen. But can I tell you something else? That this miracle that we're about to look at today is a miracle that's still being performed by the Lord Jesus Christ every single day somewhere in the world. He's still setting people free from the powers of darkness and from the chains that bind them from the chains of the enemy. Amen. So it, the Bible says that when they got here to Gadara, in verse 2 it said that immediately that there, there, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now Matthew refers to there being two demon-possessed men. There's no contradiction in Scripture because Mark and Luke just focus in on the one who was the most, uh, the most wild and the most fierce. But uh, this, there was actually two men, but this is the one that Jesus, that, the, that, that, that Mark zeroes in on, that Jesus dealt with. So they, they met him from uh, a, a man with an unclean spirit. Um, a, a man who was totally, completely demon-possessed. The term unclean spirit is, is used and it applies to all demon spirits. All demon spirits are unclean spirits. Now, some people say, well, an unclean spirit would just be somebody that had some kind of a spirit that caused um, some uh, sexual uncleanness in their life. And yes, unclean spirits do cause that. But all evil spirits are referred to and known as unclean spirits. The word unclean means to be to be foul and to be impure. And all demon spirits are foul and they're impure and they're unclean. They're totally opposed to God and to the righteousness and holiness of God. Now, regardless of their activity, there are some... Uh, there are some that uh, demons that are called by other names in the Scripture. There are deaf spirits. The Bible refers to deaf and dumb spirits, uh, a spirit that causes blindness, a spirit of infirmity. And we have all those different categories and names for demon spirits that cause different things in individuals' lives, but all demon spirits are foul and they're impure and they're referred to as unclean spirits. Now, there's something we need to understand this morning and that is this, that Satan and demon spirits are real. There is a spirit world that you can't see with these natural eyes. You can see the results of that fallen world, that spirit world, but demon spirits are real. We don't ever want to get the idea that, 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 it's, that this is not something that is a reality. And there's a lot of people that don't believe in a personal, real personal devil. They don't believe in demon spirits. But I want to tell you, and I, listen, I, they are real. I don't want to get you in a place where we're overly focused 
focusing on demons and demon spirits. Amen. There's some people get in that place that they see a demon everywhere they go. There's a demon in every house. There's a demon in every doorknob. We don't want you. We just want you to be aware of the fact that demon spirits are real and we need to be aware of the fact that they're, that they're there to work against us but we also need to be aware of the fact that Jesus Christ has all power over all the powers of the enemy. Amen? Praise God. So demons are real and listen, demon possession is also a, a, a reality and demon possession is an awful thing. And there are people, there are people that, that do become demon possessed or demonized as we refer to. And most of the time, most always, full demon possession includes some form of insanity as this man was. Now we got to be careful. We don't want to label all mental illness. And there's a, you know, there's a tendency to do that. We don't want to label everyone that has a mental illness as demon being demon possessed because that is not the case always. Are you with me? Are you following me? I'm going to take a little bit of time here and, and, and help you to understand this. So everyone that has a mental illness is not demon possessed. It can be called by something physical. But there are cases that have been labeled and individuals that are labeled many times as being mentally ill that are more than just being mentally ill. It is a case of demon possession. And that's especially true in those who are referred to as being criminally insane. Is anybody still with me? We, we talk about serial killers and murderers and serial rapists. And when you think about individuals like Charles Manson, who I am convinced was demon-possessed. When you talk about individuals, if we can remember back, I think it was maybe in the 90s, John Wayne Gacy in Chicago who murdered some 30 young men and had them buried under his house. Jeffrey Dahmer would be another one that we would say, they would say, well, he, had a, he was mentally insane. He was criminally insane. Those individuals were demon-possessed. Are you listening to me? They were under the complete and absolute and total control of a demon spirit or more than de one demon spirit. This man had a legion of demons and so he he was possessed with more than one demon. When you think about the, the, the individual, remember Adam Lanza was the name of the, of, the, uh, of the gentleman or the man that went into Sandy Hook Elementary School with automatic weapons a few years ago and massacred some 20 uh, five and six year old kids and six or seven of the staff members then turned the gun on himself and murdered himself. That man was a case. He was not just mentally ill. He was possessed by a demon spirit. Amen. You can hide all the guns. You can, you can, you can make the guns illegal but demon possessed people are going to get a hold of those things and they're going to do their work because they're under the control of evil spirits. So there is such a thing as real demon possession. But I also want to say this while we're here, and I mentioned this in one of our earlier sermons in the Gospel of Mark, and that is this, that no born-again, blood-washed child of God can be demon-possessed. Amen? We've had... There have been churches and there have been ministries and there's been people in the past that have tried to cast spirits out of Christians saying that they had a demon or they had a spirit that needed to be cast, needed to be cast out of them. There have been whole services that have been held where ministers and people in a church took time in a service to cast what they were saying, cast demons out of Christians. Listen to me today, child of God. You as a believer, as a child of God, cannot be possessed by a demon spirit. Amen? 
It's impossible. For, for a demon to possess a child of God, he would have to cross the bloodline. He'd have to wade through the blood of Jesus. He would have to break the seal of the Holy Ghost. And I can tell you today that that ain't happening. That is not going to happen. We are covered by the blood and filled with the Holy Spirit. So you can't be demon possessed. Now, yes, you can be attacked by demon spirits as a Christian. You can be oppressed by demon spirits from the outside. And as a child of God, you will be. I'm going to just say this. You will be oppressed by demons and influenced by demons. But you cannot be possessed, never possessed by a demon spirit. Can somebody say amen here today? Praise God. The existence of demon powers and demon spirits and the devil is obvious from the fact that we can see his grubby fingerprints on everything in the world today, in the, in the, the, the world all around us. He's, he's working. We can see the powers of darkness at work today. For anybody to look at the world today and to see how, how, how ungodly and the sin and the iniquity and the evil that is filling this world today and say that there's no such thing as a personal devil or demon spirits, I, I don't know, I question, their, I question their intelligence because you can see the hand of evil on everything today. And it's getting, listen, it's getting worse and worse and worse. The rise in, in drug use and drug abuse and uh, in pornography and obscenity and homosexuality, the transgender thing, the LGBTQ, what all of that mess is all caused. And I know somebody said, well, you're not supposed to talk about, about that. That is all caused by the work of demon spirits. Are you listening to me? That is evil. It is wicked. It is sinful. It's against God. It's impure and it's unclean. And everything that is impure and unclean is the work of unclean spirits. Again, not to say that those individuals are possessed by unclean spirits, but they're under the complete and full control of unclean, impure spirits that are working in their lives. So we can see, we can see that work of unclean spirits in the world today and in our day just as it was in the life of this individual. And so you have to ask the question. You have to think about this and ask the question, well, here's a man that is totally, fully possessed by what the Bible says was a legion of demon spirits. A legion was a, a Roman legion was 6,000 or more soldiers that were in a legion. So that's telling us that there were thousands of demon spirits that were possessing this one man. That's why he was the way he was. That's why he was wild. But we have to ask the question, how did this happen? What was it that caused him? Did he just go to bed one night, kiss his wife good night, kiss his children good night, lay down and go to bed, and the next morning wake up a wild demon-possessed man? Is that the way it happens? No. I don't believe that that's the way it happens. It's not something that takes place overnight, but I believe that it is a process. And somehow, somewhere along the line, the scripture is silent on it, but somewhere along the line, this man opened himself up to a demonic sinful influence. And over time, he allowed the enemy to come in his life a little at a time. Let me tell you, the enemy's not going to try to take you over just all at once, but just a little bit at a time. If you give him a little place here and a little place there, that it isn't long till you know, somebody said, if you give the devil an inch, he will become your ruler. Come on, somebody. 
And that's the truth. We can't give Him any place at all in our life. We have to be warned. We got, I, and as, as your pastor, I, this maybe is not the most pleasant. I would love to preach something to make you shout this morning and run the aisles. But we have to be warned. And I feel that it's my responsibility as a, a preacher of the gospel to let you know this morning that association with any perverted activity. Now are you listening to me? To associate ourselves as Christians with any perverted activity such as pornography, uh, other sinful practices that we may yield ourselves to will allow Satan a foothold in our life and will open the door for him to be able to come in. You got to keep the door. Listen to me, church. You got to keep the door to the enemy closed and locked. You can't even crack it just a little bit. You can't allow him any access at all in to your life. Amen? Any open door, any foothold that you allow Satan to have, he will come in and take advantage of that. And that's more than likely what happened to this man. He was not born demon-possessed. It didn't happen overnight, but somewhere along the line, he began to yield himself. And listen to me, there's all kinds of areas today where you have an opportunity to yield yourself or to open a door into your home for that which is perverted, that which is unclean, that which is not of God. And to do that would be to open the door for the enemy to come in in a small way. No, don't shout me down now because I'm preaching. Let me tell you, Satan, Jesus said that Satan is a thief. And the, we all know what the thief come to do, don't we? Jesus said that the thief has come to do three things. He's come to kill, he's come to destroy, and he's come to steal. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. And can I tell you something today? That if you or me or any of us yield ourselves to him in any way, that Satan will take everything from you. That is what he's out to do is to destroy people's lives. I, I want to say this to everybody but also but especially to our young people today. Young people please please listen to your pastor today. Pay attention to what I'm saying today because if you dabble in sinful practices in any way thinking that there's no harm in it. If you open that door just to a little bit and let Satan have a foothold in your life. Can I tell you what he will do? He will come in and he will fleece you and he will wreck you and he will destroy you and he will distort the image of God in your life. That is what the plan and the purpose of Satan is. And I know how he whispers in our ear and he says the same thing to us today as he said to Eve in that garden. Oh you won't surely die just a little bite of that forbidden fruit surely would be okay God really didn't mean what he said after all he's a God of love and grace listen to my heart listen to me today he is a God of love and he is a God of grace but can I tell you when you, when you dabble in the things of this world and you dabble in sin and you open the door of Satan he will come in he will get a foothold and he won't stop till he destroys your life. Hallelujah. I, I've made up my mind and we've got to make up our minds today, church, that no matter which way the world goes, no matter if everything goes, and no matter if the churches today say that this is okay and that's okay and this is right and that's right and everything is right, we must take a stand against evil and against sin and against the ungodliness of this world. Amen. Amen? What this book says, what the Word of God says was sin. When this book was written, God has not 
added to or taken away from His holy word. What was sin then is still sin today. Are you listening to me? So we must be aware of the work of Satan in our lives to try to tempt us and delure us uh, to the things of this world. But this man, somewhere along the line, yielded to the enemy and lost everything. Satan was not satisfied until he took this man to the very worst condition that he could be. This man, in Mark chapter 5, lost his home, he lost his family, he lost his wife, he lost his decency, he lost his children, he lost his identity. He couldn't even speak for himself. When Jesus talked to him, the demon that was possessing him and controlling him spoke through his vocal cords. He lost his identity. Every part of his life was, was, was under the complete and total control of Satan. And it all started somewhere when he opened that door. Listen to me. Don't ever underestimate Satan's destructive power. He is a destroyer. He is a killer. You have nothing to do with him. Hallelujah. Don't give the devil any place. I want to say it again church. Don't give the devil any place. Don't give the devil any place in your life. Amen. Don't dabble in sin, but stay close to God. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. Stay committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah! That's what we've got to do today because Satan plays for keeps. So there's the, the first force that we see in this narrative is the force of Satan, which again, let me, let me say it again, is still a force in this world today that you and I have to deal with, that you and I have to resist. The Bible says, Submit yourself therefore to God and what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil? You resist the devil first off by submitting yourself to God. By every day placing yourself in the hands of God. By every day placing your faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work and covering yourself every day with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and making sure that you stay full of God oh I could preach right here he's in listen Satan will, will settle for a compromise oh I, I can't go there I, well, we got to save that I, he will I've told you before that backsliding is not a blowout it's a slow leak Satan has got, he's got all the time he wants and needs to lead an individual astray. So again, again, I, I just can't get off this point. Again, you and I must resist him, submit to God, stay full of God. That's why, listen to me, listen to me. I know you've got to get tired of hearing it, but that's okay. That's why church is important. That's why being in the house of God is important. It strengthens you. It encourages you. Amen? And we don't want you to be here just so we can say we had so many in church because I don't even tell. I don't even count them. I want you here because you need to hear the Word of God. You need to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You need to be in corporate fellowship with the saints of God. You need the influence of the Holy Spirit that you receive in church services. You need a prayer life. You need a time of spending time every day with God in prayer and with the Word of God to build yourself up, to strengthen yourself. Come on, amen? You need that communion and fellowship with God. So we do have the force of Satan, but then secondly, we see the force of society. There's the force of society. And uh, look, at, look at what it says. Are y'all going to preach with me now? Look at what it says in verse 3 and 4. We see this man with the unclean spirit. He's a wild man. He's living among the tombs. 
Verse 3 says he has his dwelling among the tombs. And notice this. And no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces. And neither could any man tame him. Do you see that? He's been bound with with ropes, with chains, and he has a superhuman strength that is caused by these demons that he's not able to be restrained by any person. He breaks those chains in pieces. He breaks those ropes in pieces. No man could bind him. And, And that phrase, that last part of that verse number four, neither could any man tame him. What this tells us is this, saints of God, that there was, here, the bad shape that he was in, and there was no earthly or human remedy for his condition. i got to say that again. There was no earthly or human remedy for this man's condition. They had tried it many times. They had tried to rehabilitate him. They had tried to tame him. They had tied him up and restrained him with ropes and chains but with no success. Everything that they tried in this man's life to tame the wild man was completely and totally ineffective. And I want to tell you something this morning that this is the extent of man's ability and effort to deliver individuals from the powers of darkness and from the power of sin. Man's feeble efforts at rehabilitation constantly fail. Can I get an amen? The Bible, listen to me, the Bible does not teach rehabilitation. Nowhere in the scriptures are we taught to try to rehabilitate the sinner or the drug addict or the alcoholic or or, or, or someone that's got anger issues or problems. Rehabilitation is not taught in the Scripture. Neither is moral evolution taught in the Scripture. People are not just going to evolve morally. Mankind, listen, can I I break the bubble of what a lot of people are teaching? Mankind is not evolving into something better. Uh, The the human race is, is on a downward spiral getting worse and worse and worse in spite of all the education in spite of everything that mankind can do today humanity continues to be on a toboggan slide to filth and ungodliness and immorality that is getting worse and worse all the time and no man is able to stop it no man is able to corral it no man is able to tame it no man is able to bind it There is only one answer to the problem and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the message that has to be preached today because this, this psycho babble stuff has come into the church. Psychology, humanistic psychology and counseling sessions to try to counsel people to get them to do better. But rehabilitation is not what is needed. Psychoanalysis is not what is needed. A person, what is needed is what Jesus told Nicodemus when he said, you must be born again. That's the answer. That's the cure. Well, Brother Rick, you just, you just, that, it's got to be more than that. Can I tell you, it is not more than that. That is the answer to all of man's problems and woes. It is all found in Jesus. It is all found in the cross. It is all found in being born again and having your life changed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is anybody listening to me today? That's what we have to have today. Man needs a change of heart. Man, fallen man, has got to have a change of heart and a change of nature. 
And the, the, the born-again experience, the new birth, is the only thing, the only thing, church, that can break and stop the cycle of sin in an individual's life. You cannot rehabilitate that individual to get them to stop sinning. Man has no answer. Listen to me. Mankind, humanity, has no answer to the problem of sin. You can take a drug addict and you can lock that drug addict up in a, in a jail. You can confine them. You can put them through rehab. You can dry them out. You can isolate them away from that drug for years. I've seen this happen in, in individuals' lives who were on, were on uh, uh, methamphetamine means especially heroin you can drive them out for years lock them up put them away from that drug where they don't have any of it in their system and as soon as they're turned loose if they don't find Jesus Christ as soon as they're turned loose they're right back in that same old hog pen again doing the same old thing again they'll go right back to that mess right back to that bondage that they came out of listen to me you can put a muzzle on a vicious dog and you can keep that dog from biting somebody but the desire and the want to to bite is still in there why? because there has to be a change of nature here's the thing with mankind it's not enough to try to rehab him that individual, that drug addict that alcoholic, that criminal has to have a change of heart and a change of nature that sin nature has to be taken care of and the nature of Jesus Christ the Son of God has got to come into that individual's life. The want to and the desire of that person has got to be totally changed. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo! When God saved me, when Jesus saved me, He changed my want to. I drank all the Jim Beam I want to. Oh, Brother Rick. I don't want to. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus changed my want to. Come on, somebody. Did Jesus change your want to? Woo, hallelujah. Things you used to want to do, you don't want to do anymore when you got saved. Huh. People that come to, a, to an altar and, gets, and pray a sinner's prayer and then go right back out into the world and continue in that same lifestyle that they were in, they didn't get what they needed at that altar. They have not repented. They, they have not been born again if they habitually continue in that same lifestyle. That's Bible, my friend. That is the Word of God. Amen? Alcoholics Anonymous has the alcoholic to say, my name is, and I am an alcoholic, and to always refer to themselves as a recovering alcoholic. Now you're knocking AA. Well, they will tell you of the great success rate that they have but in reality, I, I read this morning, and I think this is a little exaggerated. They said, somebody said, the actual success rate of Alcoholics Anonymous is one in every 15 that go through the program will stay sober. One out of 15. I, I think it's worse than that. And now, you know, because listen, the Bible doesn't give. Us a 12-step program to come out of sin. Is anybody here? Now, now the church is trying to bring it into the church, see. Because now the church just dresses it up and gives it another name and calls it Celebrate Recovery. 
and it's still a 12-step program that's been borrowed from Alcoholics Anonymous and had some scriptures added to it. And if you'll follow these 12 steps at the end of it, you'll be recovered and you'll, you'll be able to celebrate your recovery from alcoholism and drug addiction. And that all sounds good. And, I, and I'm not here to condemn or to, to, to cast stones at any church that may be doing that because that all sounds wonderful and plausible and good. But can I tell you something? Unless the nature of that individual is, is changed on the inside, they don't have the willpower to resist the power of that sin nature. Listen to me. There's only one power... There is only one power in the universe today that is stronger than the power of the sin nature in a human heart. And that power that can overcome, the only power that can overcome the power of sin in an individual's life is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The law, Paul said it in Romans 8 and 2, for the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and the law of death. What made him free? The law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ. That's not a 12-step program, my friend. That is a one-step program. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Woo! Hallelujah! Come on. I feel like having church here today. Amen? No, no, no. See, all the human means and remedies are broken in pieces by those whom they have been practiced on because the power of sin is stronger than any of the ways of man to deliver them from it. If you could deliver an alcoholic from the bondage of alcohol through a 12-step program in Alcoholics Anonymous, Jesus died in vain. He would not have had to come and went to that cross if that program could deliver. He would have just, God would have just said, here's a program for you to do. Well, they tried a program in the Old Testament called the law. <laughs> and it didn't work. Man still was bound by the powers of sin. But thank God when Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus rose from the dead, amen, the power of sin and the sin nature is broken off of the lives of everyone who will accept and receive Him as their Lord and Savior. I'm still talking about taming the wild man. Because the force of Satan is holding him and the force of society is trying to free him. And the force of society cannot free anybody from the force of Satan. Are you hearing me today? Woo! But there's one more force that we've got to deal with so I can get done here and let you all go to the buffet. One more force that we definitely can't leave out because we have the force of Satan totally binding this man's life. We have the force of society trying its best to tame him, to rehabilitate him, to stifle him, to stop him from doing what he's doing, but to no avail it's useless. But the third force we have is the force of the Savior. I said we have the force. Oh, come on somebody. Thank him for the force of the Savior. Praise God for the force of the Savior. Praise God that Jesus Christ, the same Jesus we're reading about here in Mark 5, is the same Jesus that is alive today, that's seated at the right hand of God. And He's the same Jesus Christ that's here in this service today. And He's still got the same power that He had then, the same power today to liberate and set the captive free. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the force of the Savior. Hallelujah. This man was the ugliest mutation of a human being. This demon-possessed man. The ugliest mutation of a human being that anybody could possibly imagine. Long, matted hair, 
He is naked, gruesome looking. He's a mass of bleeding lacerations from continuously being in those tombs in that graveyard among the dead, constantly cutting himself and screaming and crying out. He's covered with scabs. His body is full full of infection. He's covered with scar tissue. He's in a delirium of misery and pain. The best way I know to describe him is he's a wild man. He would have to be the most unlovable creature that was alive at that, in that particular part of the country. There was, nothing that, there was nothing that at all that would attract anybody to him. As a matter of fact, the society around him, they finally they, they, they had nothing to do with him. They were repelled by him. He was dirty. He was filthy. He, was, he, he, he smelled. He had stench in his life. There was nothing lovable at all about about this man but yet yet even in that condition there was somebody that loved him there was somebody that had compassion on a man such as that Jesus Christ loved him Jesus had compassion on him can I tell you something this morning abundant life this is a picture of God's amazing grace this is the picture of God's grace that loves the unlovable and that will even go through a storm for an unlovable, unfit human being is this. See, that is what Jesus did for this man. Do you know why they got on that boat? Do you know why they went through that storm? Do you know why they went to the land of Gadara? Because Jesus knew there was somebody over in Gadara that had to be set free. Hallelujah. He had to be delivered. He had to be set free. And Jesus braved the storm on that sea. Come that storm. Would let nothing, would let Satan do nothing to stop him from getting to Gadara to set this man free from his bondage. That's the grace of God. He did that for this demon-possessed man. But you know what? He also did that for me. And he did that for you. Hallelujah. He crossed through the stormy seas of this life. He went through the storm of Calvary. Through the, 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 the pain of the cross and the suffering of the cross. Why? So he could get to where I was. So he could get to where you were. Hallelujah. He said there's somebody down there that's bound, humanity's bound by the powers of darkness. I'll go through whatever I have to go through to get to them, to deliver them and set them free. He came to where I was. Oh, I tell you, but there's many, 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 many times when I'm in prayer with the Father, so many times I'll say to him, I don't know how you could ever have loved me because I was the most, in my estimation, the most unlovable person. And sometimes even today I'm wondering if I'm not still a little bit that way. You don't ask Vicky. <laughs> Amen. But the most unlovable of human beings, the things that I did to hurt God, the things that I did to, 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 to be against him and to blaspheme his name, but yet as unlovable and as dirty and as filthy and as vile and as unclean as I was in my life and all the things that I had done that were so terrible, Jesus still loved me enough, Brother Dave, that he went through the storm to get where I was. Hallelujah. Is anybody here? Is anybody here? Was that, is that not? Amen. Is that not the love that we sing about every once in a while? That, 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 that's, that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God that chases me down, that fights till I'm found, that leaves the 99 to come where I'm at. I didn't earn it and I didn't deserve it. Hallelujah. It was nothing that I did. But Jesus said, I love you so much. I don't want you to spend eternity in hell. I'm coming. Coming to where you're at to change your life. 
That's what he came to do, is to seek and to save that which was lost. I gotta, I gotta hurry. Listen, he has the power. And we see it here, the grace of God, the power to love the unlovable. But listen to me, saints. The best of all, that's good right there. But not only does he love the unlovable, but he has the power to change the unchangeable. He has power over the powers of darkness, power over demons. This man and Jesus and the disciples landed on his shore. No doubt thought that Jesus and these disciples were intruders. One of the gospel writers says that these two men, both of them were very fierce. They wouldn't allow any intruders. They lived in the tombs. They lived among death. They lived among the dead. And when anybody would come that way, they would run out to drive them away. They were very fierce men. So probably this legion, this demoniac, ran out thinking that they were intruders coming and he would run them off. But what he didn't realize that he was about to come in contact. He, he was about to come in contact with the Creator, with the Son of the living God. He was about to come in contact with someone that was going to change his life forever. Amen. I'll never forget the day I made that acquaintance and came in contact with the Son of God. When he came to where Jesus was, immediately, immediately the demon that was in him recognized who Jesus was. And the Bible says he recognized, demon recognized Jesus as the Son of God. And it says that he bowed his knee, that he bowed down and worshipped him. Now, it doesn't mean that he was there praising the Lord like we do, but the word worship, the word that is used for worship there means uh, to, to show homage to someone of a superior rank. And when I read that, I thought that's exactly what the devil had to do when he recognized this was the Son of God. He wasn't going to scream at Jesus. He wasn't no threatening Jesus. But he fell immediately at the feet of the Son of God and gave homage to the one who is over him, who is greater than him, who is superior to him. That's the thing the devil don't want us to talk about. But I'm here to tell you that the name of Jesus that we sang about this morning is the name that is greater than every other name. And that's what demons have to do at the name of Jesus. They must bow down and give homage to that one who is superior unto them. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this thing this morning. Hallelujah. They begin to beg Jesus not to torment them. Not to torment them before the time. Because they know their fate is sealed. They know they're assigned at a certain time to be placed into the abyss. To be placed into the lake of fire with Satan and all the fallen angels. And they beg Jesus. I, I, that's something, isn't it? They begged him not to torment them. They were afraid of him. See, Satan wants to instill fear in you. But can I tell you this? Listen to me. The, that Satan and his imps are fearful of the Jesus that is in you. You You don't have to be afraid of Satan or of anything because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world today. Hallelujah. The Bible said you believe in one God. James says you believe in one God. You do well. The devils believe. The demons believe also. And they tremble. Their, their belief causes them to shake and to quake and to tremble. They know who Jesus is. They know he has all authority over them. And this fierce demonized wild man is bowing his knee to the Son of Almighty God. And can I tell you something today, that there is a day coming that every knee 
shall bow. I, I've heard, I don't remember who it was, but I heard an individual say this. I will never bow my knee to Jesus Christ. There is no need in arguing with that kind of stupidity. Because the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We will either bow in this life or we will bow when we stand before Him. But, but, but Paul said it in Philippians 2 and 10 and 11. He said that, that, that every knee of things or of beings in heaven shall bow, of beings in the earth shall bow, and of beings under the earth shall bow. So in the three realms, the three worlds, every knee has to bow to Jesus. We know the angels and all those in heaven that worship before the throne are bowing before Him in worship. We know that those, it's coming the day when all those on this earth, one day, whether in this life or the next, will bow their knee. But also of those under the earth, which, which is hell, the underworld, demon spirits and fallen angels and Satan himself. It won't get them saved, but they're going to have to acknowledge their superior, their creator, the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah, the greater one. That is why Satan can't defeat or destroy the church that is founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. And Jesus gave a direct order. He conversed with the demon he let him know there was a legion there. He begged him not to send them out. There's more preaching here than you got time to do on Sunday, let me tell you. Begged them not to, not to cause them to go out of the country. They liked it there. America's getting more and more that way with the lack of biblical preaching within the church where demons, you can tell by society, demons are beginning to like it. There was a time demons didn't really like it that much in this country. I wish they had time. But don't send us away. Let us stay here. And they asked permission for Jesus to let them go into a herd of swine. 2,000 hogs, big hog farm. They had, so, 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 there's too much here. They had to ask Jesus' permission. Did you get that? Before they could do anything. They couldn't do nothing unless Jesus okayed it. And it said, the King James said, and he gave them leave. The new King James says, and he gave them permission to go into the hogs. And Matthew's gospel said when they asked if they could go into the hogs Matthew says it this way that Jesus said this here's what Jesus said go that's all he said go and immediately went on that one word from the master go 6,000 demon spirits fled out of the body of that man and went into 2,000 hogs and they ran down the hill. You know what? Something that a man was, was content to live with, a hog wouldn't even have anything to do with. Are you listening to me today? Come on, somebody ought to say amen. Hallelujah! But Jesus just gave the command. Jesus just spoke the word. Amen? And the demons went out of him. He commanded them to come out with a direct order, and with that direct order, those demon spirits obeyed and left him. And here's the result of that encounter of this wild man, this demoniac, this deranged lunatic, when he encountered Jesus. Verse 15 says, And they came to Jesus, the people of the surrounding area, and they see him that was possessed. He's not possessed anymore. He was possessed with the devil and who had the legion. Don't have it anymore. He's free from it now. And here's, the, here's his condition now. He's sitting and he's clothed and he's in his right mind sitting and clothed 
and in His right mind. What a picture that is of salvation. At one time he was crying and cutting himself and wild, but now he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's in rest and he's in peace. He was running around naked and now he's clothed. He's got some clothes on. What a picture that is of being clothed with the righteousness of God and putting on the garment of praise. Hallelujah. And the garment of, 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 of worship. And then he was in his right mind. Hallelujah. That means that before he met Jesus, he wasn't in his right mind. I don't want to be or mean to be unkind to anyone, but can I tell you this this morning, and I believe it's scriptural, if you do not know Jesus Christ if you're, as your Lord and Savior, if you're living a lifestyle of sin, if you're, if you're hanging with the wrong crowd and, and participating and dabbling in the things of this world, and you don't know Jesus, you are not in your right mind. You're not. Anybody that would, that would, that would spurn the gospel of Jesus and go on a, on, a, on a road that leads to despair and destruction and eternity in hell is not in their right mind. When that prodigal son was in that hog pen, he had left father's house. The Bible said that there was a point where he looked around at his surroundings and it said that he came to himself. One translation says he came to his senses. In other words, he was not in his right thinking. He was not in his right mind. Somebody that's running from Jesus today, you're not in your right mind. Come to your senses. Somebody that's involved in drugs and alcohol or illicit sex, you're not in your right mind today. You need to come to Jesus. He will give you the mind of Christ. He will change your life. He will transform you and turn you from the powers of darkness to the power of His Holy Son. Come on, amen. He's sitting in clothes and He's in His right mind. Worship team, make your way back, please. He's sitting in His clothes and He's in His right mind. Whew. Totally changed, totally transformed by the power of Jesus. Can I tell you something today? There is no case that's too hard for Jesus. There's no person that has gone too deep in sin for Jesus to change their life. There's no one that has gotten so far away but what Jesus can bring them back. No hard cases. No one too hard. Have you ever looked at somebody maybe in your own family that you're praying for and say, and the devil would say to you, they're too far gone. They'll never be saved. Listen to me. Don't you give up on them. There are no hard cases. Hallelujah. Or where sin did abound. And where sin does abound, grace much more abounds. Amen? So whatever the controlling force is that may be dominating you today, the Lord Jesus Christ is here. He can break that power of darkness off of your life and will do that, whatever it is. He came to save to the uttermost. You may be in this service this morning and maybe even as a Christian, oppressed, not, not lost, not a wild person, not demon-possessed as this man, not under the full control of the enemy, but being oppressed by powers of darkness today. Spirit of fear, maybe of depression or anxiety, this man was set free from everything, from all of his fear, all of his demons. And the Bible says that who the Son is set free, whom the Son is set free, is what? Free indeed. Free indeed. Let me close with this. I've been trying to close here for a few minutes, but 
We're coming in for the landing right now. Flaps are down. Listen to what he says. They see, they came and he's sitting and he's clothed and in his right mind. Verse 18 says, And when he, the demon possessed, the former demon possessed man, he followed Jesus to the ship. He that had been, there it is again, he that had been possessed with the devil, prayed him or prayed, asked and begged Jesus that he might be with him. He wanted to go with him. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not or allowed him not, but he said to him, here's what I want you to do. Go home. He hadn't been at home. He hadn't been at home for years. He hadn't seen his wife, kissed his wife or his children for who knows how long. Jesus says to him, go home. Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and have had compassion on you. And he began to, he be, and he departed and he began to publish in Decapolis. And Decapolis was that region of 10 cities that was around there in Gadara. He went to those 10 cities and he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel because what they're seeing now is a madman that has now been transformed to a preacher man. Is anybody here? A madman, a wild man, a terrible man, a horrible man, a deplorable man that now has been transformed by Jesus Christ and now he's a preacher man. Oh, hallelujah. I'm sure I'm sure some of them said, oh, 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 uh, oh, legion over there. Did you hear about him? He got religion. That's what they said about me when I got saved. They said, Hensley got religion. No, Hensley didn't get religion. Thank God Hensley didn't get religion because religion can't transform a man from a child of Satan to a child of God. Oh, legion got religion. No, legion met the man with the plan. He met the man, Christ Jesus. He met the transformer, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they all marveled at the transformation that they saw in that man's life. He wasn't the same. He wasn't the same. The wild man is a preacher man and winning people to the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me?